Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat learning session with TBA rabbinic intern Cheva Lerman. My name is Cheva. Cheva, yeah. Um, Batsheva, yep, or my Hebrew name is Chava, you can call me that too. And um, I heard some comments as we reached this section of the reading this uh, this afternoon, and that was uh, a handy cue because, yes, we're going to dive right into one of the more awkward stories. Um, not just of this parsha, because we're going to see where else it appears, and then we're going to examine why this exact motif might appear multiple times, three times total, in, in Torah. Um, so... So the first thing is, I okay, for those of us, who, for those who are joining on Zoom, hello. Um, we're starting with Genesis 12, verse 9, and everything we're going to cover is in your Chumash, so, um, so don't stress for not having a source sheet, you'll be able to follow along, it'll be fine. Um, so, okay, so let's start at um, 12, 9, and uh, can someone read... Uh, through the end of 13.1. I have a reader for the English. Okay. Then Avram journeyed by stages. Oh, yeah. Then Avram journeyed by stages towards the Negev. There was a famine in the land, and Avram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. If the Egyptians see you and think she is his wife, they will kill me and let you live. Please say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and I may remain alive thanks to you. When Avram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw how very beautiful the woman was. Pharaoh's courtiers saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's palace. And because of her, it went well with Avram, and he... He acquired sheep, oxen, asses, male and female slaves, she-asses, and camels. But Hashem afflicted Pharaoh and his household with mighty plagues and on account of Sarai, the wife of Avram. Pharaoh sent for Avram and said, What is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister, so I took her as my wife? Now here's your wife, take her and be gone. And Pharaoh put agents in charge of him, and they sent off sent him off with his wife and all that he possessed. One more verse. From Egypt, Avram went up to the Negev with his wife and all they possessed, together with loot. Thank you. Okay, so the first question that we're going to apply to each repetition of this story is what gaps do you see in this text? If you were just presented this as a story, and someone said, this is a novel, that everything should fit together and make sense, and you're the critical editor. Um, how would you critique this text? So there's a gap. Um, yeah, can you pass the mic down? There's a gap uh, where, how, as to how Pharaoh became aware that Sarai was his wife. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. That's a good one to keep in keep an eye on. How did he wind up at the temple with uh, meeting Pharaoh? Does he, does he welcome everybody who comes through? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other, other things? Yeah, Stevie? How yeah, there's a mic right there. How does he wind up with possessions? Because, like, what exactly 
results in him getting possessions from this. Mm -hmm. What what resulted in him? How did Abraham end up profiting off of yeah. Sarai being the Pharaoh's wife for a period? Other details. Perhaps how long Sarai was in Pharaoh's palace, right? There's no details on that. Yeah. What Sarai responded in the moment, what Abraham responded in the moment, how either of them feel about this and how, like, what does it say about their character that these were their actions and how did they feel about them? It doesn't seem like Sarai has much choice. That's, yeah, we don't see a lot of choice here. That's true. One more gap that's a little bit more subtle, which is um, think of the geography of Israel, Sinai, and and Cairo. Okay, so we start the story with Avram journeying, it says, by stages Hanegba, towards the Negev, which is usually the, the term for southward. And this is why I started and ended it exactly where I did, because at the end it says, from Egypt, Abraham went Hanegba, and our text just says up into the Negev in the English, but in Hebrew it just says Hanegba again. So, so now we're looking at Hanegba is could be towards the Negev, which you could go towards the Negev in any context. But if you're a reader in the land of Israel, you usually would read Hanegba as southward. And so now there's a little bit of a weird thing going on where like from Cairo, from Egypt, they go southward towards towards or from Israel, they go southward towards Egypt and then they go southward again. Like, where are you going to go to? So we have a few gaps in the text. Are you, this is the first time we see this. It doesn't really make sense, but like more or less we get the gist that Avram puts Sarai in Pharaoh's palace and she doesn't have uh, much say in the matter. She's there for a little bit. Um, God gets angry at Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, oh my gosh, we can't have this. And like, take her back. What'd you do to us? So the thing is, um, it's odd enough in this context um, then we come into a very similar, despite this not having gone well the first time, we come into this again um, just eight chapters later. So, um, so turn to the next page. Why are you saying it didn't go well? For well, Avram, it, it went great. That's okay. That's true. For for Avram, it went great. There's he profits off of it. I mean, I will say it doesn't go well from the you know there's plagues and it's dramatic and and but yeah yeah that's fair. What's interesting is. That gap of how Avram feels about the situation really bothers uh, a lot of the commentators because they feel that Avram should have been uh, more distraught at his wife being taken into Pharaoh's household. So Midrash Tanhuma retells the story where uh, Avram, in their version, Avram says, oh my gosh, my wife is being held by force, how could she? And totally deletes the part where Avram is like, hey, you should say that you're my sister so that you know, you'll go into the palace. Like, there's Avram's agency is removed in Midrash Tanhuma, and and he is like very upset. And then there's also a retelling in the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, in what's called the Genesis Apocryphon, um, in which Avram has a dream, and so and the dream says, "Oh, they will cut down the cedar and leave the palm." Avram is the cedar, Sarai is the palm, and so there's this sense that. Um, Sarai has to say the right thing to save Avram's life, but everything is preordained by God because God, God, Avram has it in a dream. In both of these texts, the sense is that Avram was not very happy with the situation, which is part of why I say it didn't go well. But you're totally right. He profited, and it's odd, and, uh, and it worked out well for him. So then we skip ahead to Genesis 20. 
So if you're following along at home, we're 20 verse one. Um, and I didn't include the Hebrew for these simply to save paper on the source sheets. It's, it's very similar. Um, and if someone wants to follow along with the Hebrew, I invite you to grab a chumash. Um, but can, um, can someone read in the English here, starting from verse one? And I want... Okay, can you take a microphone, please, Bob? And uh, while Bob's getting ready to read the English, I want you to keep these. So we, we started jogging these, these um, like flexing these muscles of this like critical reading. I want you to think of it again. And we'll get back to seeing at the end, we'll come back to seeing the Torah through its own lens. We're not going to stay in this um, critical academic view the entire time. But for the moment, I want you to think about like, how does this match up or not against what we read before? Are there new gaps or do the old gaps continue to exist? Okay, thank you, Bob. Yeah, Genesis 20. Genesis 20? Yes, please, thank you. <clears throat> Abraham journeyed from there to the region of Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. While he was sojourning in Gerar, or Gerar, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar had Sarah brought to him. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, <clears throat> You are to die because of the woman that you have taken, for she is a married woman. For now Abimelech had not approached her. He said, O oh Lord, will you slay people even though innocent? He himself said to me, She is my sister. And she also said, He is my brother. When I did this, my heart was blameless and my hands were clean. And God said to him in the dream, I knew that you did this with a blameless heart, so I kept you from sinning against me. That was why I did not let you touch her. Therefore, restore the man's wife. Since he is a prophet, he will intercede for you to save your life. If you fail to restore her, now that you shall die, know that you shall die, you and all that are yours. Eight. Early next morning, Abimelech called his servants and told them all that had happened, and they were greatly frightened. Then Abimelech summoned Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? What wrong have I done that you should bring so great a guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. What then? Keep yeah, going. Please, yeah. What then? Abimelech demanded of Abraham, was your purpose in doing this thing? I thought that... It... What then? Abimelech demanded of Abraham, was your purpose in doing this thing? I thought, said Abraham, surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. And besides, she is in truth my sister, my father's daughter, though not my mother's, and she became my wife. So when God made me wander from my father's house, I said to her, let this be the kindness that you shall do me. Whatever place we come to, say there of me, he is my brother. Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham, and he restored his wife Sarah to him. And Abimelech said, Here, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. <clears throat> and to Sarah he said, I herewith give you, I herewith give your brother a thousand pieces of silver. This will serve you as vindication before all who are with you, and you are cleared before everyone. Abraham then prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his slave girls so that they bore children. For Adonai had closed fast every womb of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, the wife of Abraham. 
Thank you. I know these are long sections to read. You did a great job. Yes, um, Okay. Does someone want to restate in fewer words what just happened and how it's, and then we'll get into how it's similar and how it might be different. Microphone. My first impression was uh, the, the second author uh, was uh, trying to absolve Abraham of any wrongdoing by saying, oh, yeah, she was my sister. That was the big thing that stood out to me, you know, like, you know, he's perfect. So we got to we got to kind of cleanse him of any <laughs> wrongdoing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And we get more explanation. Yeah. You, if you say it, I'll repeat it. So. He's pimping out his wife. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable as a modern reader. Yeah. Um, and, and we actually get more explanation here of the relationship between them, right? When when Sarai and Avram get together in the beginning of Parshat Lech Lecha, it just says, Avram took for himself a wife. Her name was Sarai. That's all we get, right? And here it says, oh, no, she's my half-sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not of my mother. You know, there's a lot more context here assuming we take Avram at his word. I want to add a complication to my good sister's uh, thought. Um, if, if everyone in this room can tell me that if I put a gun to his head and said, shoot her, that he wouldn't do it. That's really what Abraham was it, it, it doing. You know, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that that was the context of him trying to do that. That's all. Not that it's right, not that it's good, but I'm just saying that's the situation that makes it a little more complicated than no, no, no. I, I disagree. As a married woman, I disagree. I think my husband would lay down his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that as a married woman, she believes her husband would would lay his life down for her. That that's it's not a given that that when our lives are threatened, we will hurt other people. Um, other observations about what's similar or different. Obviously, we have Pharaoh and Avimelech. Like our our contexts are different, right? We're no longer in Egypt now. We're in Gerar. Like, what are the other things that we might notice in this repetition? Why does Abraham do this again? Okay, yeah, Stevie? Yeah, there's every single character in the story is given a good justification for themselves. Like, it's clear that Abimelech is like God fearing, it's clear that Abraham was legitimate or like had serious fear, it's clear that no, nothing actually happened. Right, like there's, it seems like there's full of, of you call it apologetics, right? But um, that uh, the text is sort of going out of its way to exonerate every single person here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It would you say that the text is going out of its way to exonerate all all the characters here more than it did in the first time? Much, yeah, much more. Yeah, the first one, there's there's no reason to think that they didn't. Right, <laughs> <laughs> said no reason to think that they didn't. The first time. Yeah, first time. Yeah, Sandy. Yeah, in both texts, it is about the value of Sarai's body, and and what it helps me because I also find this troubling the way it's commodified. Um, but the the Dead Sea Scrolls dream retelling as a commentary actually helps me come to terms with that because when Avram has this dream that forecasts this situation it all hinges upon Sarai saying the right thing in that moment. And so then she is no longer um, just chattel to be traded, but she becomes like the linchpin of Avram's safety. Um, so 
there are other reads in tradition to find, um, non-canonical, but still. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear that. I said that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yes. I I would also say that this is the same text that um, that has slaves traded, given as reward, which I still struggle yeah. with understanding why Abimelech felt that he had to give anything other than give Sarai back. God just yeah. said, give back the woman to her husband. But in any case, slaves are given because human bodies in general, and women more so than others, but human body, humans in general were treated as um, worthy of kinyan, as worthy of, uh, as Purchase. available as, as chattel. So mm -hmm. I think that the wider context here without apologetic is that human beings were not necessarily always considered in their full humanity in any context. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's definitely in the context of a time when humans could be chattel. Mm -hmm. um, on Zoom, could you hear Rabbi Torney? No. no. Okay, so um, just, right, because the microphone was way on one side of the room, we didn't get over to the other, but she was saying that in the context of this moment in time, there human beings could be chattel. We have right here in the text that the slaves are that there are slaves given as reward for this um, for this exchange, and that's part of Avram's profit. Um, and and so you know, women so too can be traded as chattel. So this is is there? Um, yeah. Okay. Great. Um, and I think that that'll actually be addressed in our last reading, in our last section. But I do see one hand on Zoom. Um, so I'd like to invite you to jump in. Yeah. Um, a quick comment and then a question for you. And the quick comment is, when you said, I thought you said, why did this one go better? I think one clue the text is giving us, because Abi Malif is a great name for a king in Hebrew. <laughs> no, I mean, names matter. That's one. But the other is, I was trying to remember, and I didn't go look up because I have trouble holding things with my hands, but in Vayikra with all the forbidden sexual relations that are different depending on whether it's from the mother's side or the father's side and the reversal of Moshe's parents are aunt, nephew, that's then not okay, but uncle niece is fine. Does that track to it's okay to marry the father's side daughter yeah. but not a mother's side. I mean, does that track to later in Vayikra? I'm actually not no, sure. No. It, that's a forbidden relationship. It's definitely, it's, forbidden. It's definitely a forbidden but, relationship. But, yeah. but genealogy also has that she's the niece, not the athlete. Right. So, um, so, so yes, it, it's very much a forbidden relationship, but the gene genealogy usually accounts for Sarai's Avram's niece, not as his half-sister. And this is... Uh, oh, so like the whole Mordechai Esther thing. Yeah. Well, he's her guardian rather than her partner, but but yeah, same, same relationship there. Um, okay, so our last text where we see this one more time is in Genesis 26, verses 1 through 11. Um, for the sake of expediency, I'm I'm going to jump through jump in and read this. Um, so so we're now um, past Avram, we're into Isaac. <laughs> So it says, there was a famine in the land, aside from the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham, um, and Isaac went to Avimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. 
Adonai had appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, stay in the land which I point out to you. Reside in this land and I will be with you and bless you. I will assign all these lands to you and to your heirs, fulfilling the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make you heirs as numerous as the stars of heaven and assign to your heirs all these lands so that all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by your heirs. Inasmuch as Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my laws, and my teachings. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the local leaders asked him about his wife, he said, she is, his, she is my sister, for he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the local leaders might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. When some time had passed, Avimelech, king of the Philistines, looking out of the window, saw Isaac, and the Hebrew here is Misachek, so Yitzchak Misachek Etishto, um, and it, here it's translated as fondling his wife, but Misachek we can also translate as playing with, or you know, modern teenagers might say even like hooking up. But you know, there's there's a there are multiple valences here. This is not the only translation. Uh, Abimelech sent for Isaac and said, so she is your wife. Why did you th then say she's my sister? Isaac said to him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Abimelech said, what have you done to us? One of the men might have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. Abimelech then charged all the people saying, anyone who molests this man or his wife shall be put to death. So this is a little different, right? We don't have Rebecca actually going into Abimelech's court. Like we don't, she, they are under his like, purview as a king, but there isn't a specific relationship between them. It's all in the potential. There's a, all ex, a pre existing precedent for Rebecca being beautiful because Isaac saw her at the well. That's how they got together in the first place, right? Sarai, we don't have that precedent in how Avram and Sarai got together. And um, we don't have the gaps of travel and Pharaoh and plagues and, and all these things. This is the, in, uh, as I see it, this is the simplest, most together version of the story. And one could say that these are, you know, it's uh, progress. Like, okay, now by third time's the charm. We've had the story twice, and by the third time, we figured out how to make it work. But I actually think um, that this was the first version. That every that the other versions that we read with Avram and Sarai are retrojections, um, because this one makes the most sense. That's the first thing. The second thing is that um, in the going down to Egypt, having plagues and coming out in a better state, we have a forecasting of the uh, of the Israelites, right? We know we see exactly what's going to happen because that's what the forefathers go through, and then we also like we the middle telling is kind of the bridge between them because it includes some of the Egypt version and some of the Avimelech and Gerar version. Um, and and so there's a little bit of both mixing so that's that's how i see these three tellings of the story um the question remains why it's here in the first place you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from temple beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative judaism in los angeles if you enjoy these podcasts we invite you to write a review on the apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts for more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.